Welcome back, everyone, to the Geeks, Geezers, and Googleization Show, the home of Googleization Nation, where we talk with HR and business thought leaders about the crazy shift going on all around us and explore the disruptive convergence of technology, business, and people. Here are your hosts, Ira Wolf and Jason Cochran. Hey, welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Geek Skeezers and Googleization, a show from the People Forward Network. I'm Ira Wolf, and thank you for being part of Googleization Nation. And I'm Jason Cochran. If you think this is just another podcast, think again. We're the top-rated voice for the crucial conversations that are confronting business leaders and people today. And our goal is to bring you ways to reimagine the future of work as we explore the never-ending convergence of business, technology, and people. This episode of Geek Skeezers and Googleization is sponsored by our partner, Y-Institute, your personal and professional GPS for a meaningful life and a purpose-filled career. You'll hear more about them and from them later. Jason, there's a whole lot we can say about today's subtopic. And for anybody who follows us on LinkedIn and this podcast, you know that we both are always talking about hybrid work, remote work, culture, what that looks like. So I'm going to try to be really quick here because they can't wait to bring on our new friends that we just met. Just We wrote a book together, but we just met just a few minutes ago. And we're going to be talking about creating a great culture in a remote world, which coincidentally is the title of the new book, which just came out last week. And you can get that up on Amazon. It was co-authored by me and three other business coaches who are also passionate about the subject. And they're gonna share their tips for leading teams remotely that are working remotely. For sure, there is no controversy about remote work and hybrid work. Just pick up any newspaper. If you're active on LinkedIn, you'll see it out there all the time. Uh, I wrote an article, I published an article that was based on part of what I wrote in the book. And it talked about the executive employee disconnect. And just to give you some stats, which you know we always do, to, to give evidence to this, in a recent study from Slack's Fortune Forum, 76%, three out of four employees, said they didn't want to return to the office full time. Didn't say they didn't want to go back to the office, but they don't want to do it on an everyday basis. They're not going to do that commute. They're not going to go back and, and have all those meetings. And if they need to be back, they will be back. But three out of four said they don't want to return full time. A white paper from Avanti, which is a good, a great partner of ours, and we'll have some big announcements about their our new special series with them coming up. 71% and 64% of employees respectively said they were willing to sacrifice a promotion or a pay raise to work remote. And then Gallup came out and said three out of 10 remote workers would be likely to look for another job if their company eliminated their remote work. And yet, with all those statistics, with all that evidence that life has changed for workers, 59% of executives are still planning to bring back their workers back for most or all of the work week. Hence, executive employee disconnect. But before we get too far, because we're going to talk about all those things with our guests today, it's time for our perfect labor storm segment. Where on each episode, we just focus on one disruptive, surprising, or worrisome trend that we believe you should know. Now, here's today's perfect labor storm segment. 
you just heard about the disconnect between executive what executives want and what employees want. For today's perfect labor storm segment, we're going to look at how remote work and back to work are actually doing when it comes to productivity and stress. There's a Harvard Business Review that published a study that found that knowledge workers, which are mostly the people working remotely, are more productive from home. They found that remote workers spend 12% less time in meetings and 9% more time working with customers and external partners. That's a pretty good trend. Kate Lister, a good friend of ours, CEO of Global Workforce Analytics, and had one of our most popular episodes a few months ago, found that only 11% of managers reported lost productivity. And the Texas A&M study indicated that remote work had no negative effect whatsoever on productivity. But listen to this. In in, In an April 2022 study, from the Associated Press and NORC out of University of Chicago. 23% of workers who returned to the office said things have gotten worse and 41% reported increased stress. Now, get this, for those who never left the office, so some people were had the opportunity to work from home, but some people still kept going to work because they had either had to or they chose to. When the worker, when their coworkers started to show back up at work, Jason, those numbers got worse. 50% of the people said it was more stressful after people started to show up back at work. I mean, the statistics are just overwhelming in favor of that remote work and hybrid works here to stay. Yes, they are. And I tell you, after hearing those stats, I feel like we need to cue up the famous song, It's So Hard to Say Goodbye to Yesterday by Boys to Men. I mean, don't worry, I'm not going to sing it for you, but but kidding aside, it's it's really time that we get real on this topic and let go of the faulty assumptions that are out there and many of the references, uh, the stats that you just shared. And one of those is that people, is this belief that people need to work in a physical location together in order to create a great culture. If that was the case, Ira, two thirds of the entire work population wouldn't have been disengaged for these past 30 years. If there was some kind of magic uh, mist that's coming out of the walls uh, of the office buildings, but that's not the case. Simply put another way, if we truly had great cultures in most organizations, executive mandates wouldn't be required to get folks to come back in. Uh, But it seems to me like what's becoming quite clear Um, is that without the right culture supports in a remote work environment as well, we could easily slip right back into some of the toxic culture habits that we've experienced in the office over all these years as well. And so just sharing all that to say the moral of the story is to focus on the right culture design and supports regardless of where and when people work. And so I'm excited and ready for some real talk today with your fellow authors and experts on this topic um, so that we can dig into this and help set the record straight. And right before we bring everybody back on, I just want to let everybody, a reminder for everybody to know that you can uh, get SHRM credits. You can simply go up to the website, googleizationnation.com. If you're not a member, please subscribe and you'll get updates. 
a lot of big announcements coming out and some special some special benefits that are going to be we're going to be launching uh, in the beginning of the year. Uh, but you can go up to googleizationnation.com, upper right, click on podcast, click on the form. Uh, we just ask a few questions to verify that you actually listened and learned. Uh, we need to do that. And then we will, in turn, send you an activity code and you can, you can earn anywhere from a half to a full credit. Uh, depending on the episode. So uh, please take advantage of that. And while you're, if you're watching, please leave a, a, a review or a comment up on YouTube or LinkedIn. And if you're listening on a podcast, uh, please rate and review the show. We really appreciate it. And it's because of you that we're in the top 1%. Absolutely. And so without further ado, let's bring on our special experts and guests today, James Thorne, Vanessa Hunter, and Jenny Marshall. Welcome to the show, everyone. Thank you. Great to be here. Thanks so much. And co congratulations, everybody. Uh, on uh, It's great to meet everybody, but congratulations. I know for some of you, this is your, your first book, uh, the first launch into that, and the for, first explanation, exploration into uh, authoring, and uh, congratulations. And uh, it was a, a pleasure to be, to be able to share that with you guys. And we have all four, we have all the time zones in the U.S. represented. That's right. <laughs> you know, so again, what, what a perfect, what a perfect display when we talk about remote and hybrid work, how you get things done and, and th that opportunity to be able to do so. Uh, why don't we do a little bit of a round robin here? Uh, and uh, at least on my screen, we'll start with Jenny uh, to talk about, you know, why you were interested in this, how you got involved, you know, what, uh, why, why you chose to, to write a, your first book. Uh, about uh, remote work or hybrid work, and uh, and then we'll just go. We'll we'll continue to go around. Yeah, th thanks so much, and and thank you for the opportunity, and thank you to all the co-authors. This was an amazing experience, and congratulations to everybody. Um, I've been in technology sales and sales leadership for over twenty years. For the first 16 of those, I went into an office every day um, and, and kind of grinded it out. And then in my, my most recent company for the last six years, I've actually been remote. Um, and so I have some firsthand experience with regards to um, how to work remote, how to be productive in a remote environment, how to lead others that are across a region or right now manage a, a team that's global. Um, and so with the pandemic, um, and with so many people now experiencing the, the, the benefits of working remote, what we realized is there is a lack of knowledge around how to lead people in a remote environment and how to create the right culture so that people can feel not only productive, but included um, into uh, the overall company initiatives uh, and and what we want to accomplish together. So this topic spoke to me for that purpose. Um, like I said, a lot of firsthand experience, um, a lot of firsthand mistakes um, that I've learned from that I would have loved the opportunity, right, to, to share with others. James, why don't we go with you? No, that's we'll awesome. Thank you so there. much. Uh, I actually went remote with our businesses in October of 2018 for the sole purpose of really creating freedom and structure for my family, but the families that we were providing for. And that was my heart to really focus on the people. And I've learned over the years that we focus too much on the profit and not the people. And that to me is my bottom line is people. So um, going into 2020 with COVID and that disruption, it didn't disrupt our team and flow 
but I got to really step in and help lead others um, as they were trying to figure out what this looked like um, coming with the new norm, at least for that year or two. Um, so it became really passionate for me to really see the disconnect that leaders had with their team, um, especially remote, but already seeing what that was happening before being remote and how much more of a deficit that was when they went remote. So I was excited to be a part of this uh, this co-authorship and be in this book and uh, just grateful to be here today. Vanessa, you're up. Thanks so much, Ira. Thanks so much for this opportunity. This has been, uh, this has been a great project. This has been a fun project. And one of the reasons that I got excited about this book is that I've been on both sides of the equation. I've been the employee trying to work remotely and I've also been the team leader or the the supervisor trying to lead a team remotely. And uh, those were two very different experiences for me. Thank goodness I had the experience of being a remote employee first so that I knew how it felt. I knew what the pitfalls were. I knew um, how excluded I felt in certain situations. And I wanted to make sure as a leader that I was a very inclusive leader when I was uh, when I was leading a remote team. So that was part of the reason that I got involved in this and also understanding that business evolves and uh, you know, life evolves, business evolves. And we've seen some amazing things over the past few years that we didn't expect to see in our lifetime. And we have had to adapt. And the people who adapt are the people who win, right? And so I wanted to really get involved in this to help employers understand the power of fully engaging remote employees and how really that could not be, they look at it as a, a negative rather than a positive. And I wanted to really help change their perspective. And to your point, Ira, uh, you wrote about mindset and that's a big hot button for me on this particular topic. Let's start with you. We'll do, go backwards this time, Vanessa. You, you mentioned inclusivity and, and that's a, a big conversation is that there's a whole, you know, a lot of the debate is you just can't possibly build a culture or have a culture if people aren't, you know, in the next room or down the hall or you can't see them. How, how did you approach that or what were some of the, the things that you maybe initially struggled with but had to overcome? Right. So as an employee, that was definitely an issue. And I was actually told by somebody, look, you're going to miss out on so much if you don't come into the office every day. And I remember that feeling that I had of, you know, it was a really long commute for me. And I thought, really? I mean, I understand water cooler conversations and all of those things that happen as you pass in the hallway and that type of thing. But is that really what culture is all about? And those are the kinds of questions I was asking myself as a leader. Can we build that team camaraderie? Can we build those kind of conversations uh, remotely? Can we do that? And the answer is yes, if you're willing to do it. And that's the huge, huge caveat there. If you're willing to put the time and effort in. James, let's we'll throw that same question to you. And again, it's got a, a million different variations, but no, yeah, I was going to segue right off with it being there, willing to put the time in. That's that to me is the big it's everything rises and falls on leadership and it starts at the top. You have to be willing to do it. You can't just put it in someone else's department or another position. 
And uh, for me, I've really had to learn that. I've even learned that the hard way or I've lost some key people even when we were at remote because I wasn't investing enough time in them, even when that to me is still a core piece of who I am. And I had to really learn and stretch myself um, to make the time available. And there's a lot of time chopped out during the week that is spent with the people and spent with them individually. Um, that's not about work and not about, you know, the things we have to get done. And that those, those meetings come as well. But um, yeah, that, I think that's, that's a key point is wanting to really make that happen and being willing to make the sacrifice um, yourself. So then the leadership below you will, uh, will follow suit and uh, you can hold them accountable and likewise. James, what does it, what does that look like? Um, you know, that you, what did you change? I mean, it was it using different technology was it about just carving out different times of each day to reach out to them? What does that look like? No, that's good. For, for me, uh, I've had smaller teams, six to 10 um, people on my team. So everything's pretty lateral. We all stay pretty connected that way. It's not department heads or anything. Um, but to me, it was really making the time for myself during the week that was devoting an hour per person that was our time. Um, that one-on-one -on -one time. And I write about that in the book as well, but that was to me a huge piece uh, as part of making that adjustment. And it was nothing about tasks, nothing about what we had to do in the business. And it was all about their growth, their personal development. Um, and I love saying, you know, people before profit uh, because they're the ones that are going to actually make the money. They're the ones that's going to fight for you. Um, so to answer your question, it was really just a shift in my focus on where I prioritize my time during the week and end up being majority with the people, especially on the front end, um, as we uh, helped grow the, started figuring out how to grow the business. Jenny, what, what's your feeling on, on the inclusivity and making that bridge? Yeah, so I would say that there are, um, we need to be thinking about three things very differently than, than maybe we did when we were going into the office. Number one is how and when we communicate. Um, the other is how we approach development and the third is how we think about empowerment. Um, and so there are a few things. Number one is you have to let go of the fact that you're the only person that's capable of coaching and developing your people, right? And giving them the opportunity to really understand, you know, let's set the expectation around what good looks like for what it is that you were trying to accomplish. Um, and where do you excel? And where do you potentially have the opportunity to grow? Um, and let me connect you with people that can help you develop in those areas because you just as a leader will not have the opportunity to take on that type of in-depth development all on your own while you're still doing everything else. So again, it's an opportunity to identify what good looks like, identify where they excel, where they potentially have opportunities, and then connect them with the right people that give them the opportunity for mentorship and development. Um, around the communications piece, um, you know, look for ways to share information with them that will make them feel included and invested in where the company is going. And so we have to look at how we're communicating through email, how we're using our collaboration tools like Slack and Teams, um, and how we are using one-on-ones, how we're using team meetings, making sure there are agendas, making sure we're not canceling them, that we're not moving them, that we're not deprioritizing it, but always look for the opportunity for what is the information I can share um, that will make the team feel included and part of the long-term decision-making. And then on the empowerment side, um, trying to create an environment where the team feels comfortable going to each other. 
Um, so how can you be meeting without me, right? So you can brainstorm and talk about what you're feeling, what you're he hearing, what you're seeing, you know, how you can solve problems together, because then it's not so dependent on you to go create um, that inclusion, but they're feeling that amongst their peers. Um, and so those are, those are the three things, right? Is how do we think about communication? How do we think about empowerment? And how do we look at development differently? And Jenny, I love that. It's like we have ESP because the next question that I was going to ask her, what are the ingredients for creating this great culture when we have people maybe not working in the same physical locations as much? And you just gave three great ingredients there of we've got to rethink how we do communication, get really clear on, on how we do that. We've got to get really clear on how we're learning and developing people. And then we've got to get really clear on how we empower them. And so I'm going to send it over to James now, and then we'll go to Vanessa James, are there any additional ingredients that you have found that are critical for creating this great culture in a remote workplace? When uh, Jenny was talking about interconnectivity with the team and how you're interacting together, um, I had to get, really get creative and find ways that we could keep people connected. And I think that was a big piece for our team to really understand, um, you know, because how we operate, we're async and we don't we don't have to get with each other throughout the day on specific things. So it, you may not hear from me all day long if we're not working on something together. So we had to be intentional about creating those moments where I would put people together on a project that would normally not work together or have things together on purpose just to get in perspective. And then they're interacting um, and having conversation. Um, so I just really get creative with the tools that we use and the systems in place to, you know, again, we have a smaller team. But there's a couple of people on the other sides of the of the team may not ever inter really interact if they're not in the office. So how to create those kind of spaces for them. That's good. And Vanessa, how about you? Any extra ingredients that you'd add? Um, the right technology. <laughs> Having the right technology. It is so frustrating when people are like, oh, my Zoom connection's not good and that type of thing. So that really makes a difference. And, and that is upon the employee themselves and, and the company to make sure that they have the right technology so that they do have connectivity. And what I mean by that, not just, you know, do you have a good Wi-Fi, but do you have, uh, do you have the right communication tools in place? Can I just chat? Do I have a team chat? Do I have a team group where I can just have free-flowing conversation as you would in an office environment? The more you can provide that platform for people, the better they do. And with that, Vanessa, are, are you seeing just in terms of a general theme, is it the need for organizations to go out and buy new solutions? Or have you seen it more of, hey, we may have some in-house solutions, we just need to use them and their feature sets maybe in, in a different way than how we've used them before? Yeah, I don't think they need to go out and buy new things unless they just don't have anything. Um, but there's so much at people's fingertips now. There's so much available and it, it's not hard to, to figure that out. But also asking the employees themselves how they like to communicate. You know, I think that's a big thing. I, you know, I like to text. And do you want to get a text from me? Do we have to go onto another platform or can we do it through the thing that's already in our hand? You know, how do we want to communicate with each other and tapping into their preferred styles as well? as my own. A lot of the challenges was really the discomfort of using a lot of the tools. 
Uh, again, some of it's personal preference mm -hmm. that the reason it doesn't work. Some people don't like to be on screen like we are. Um, so they're uncomfortable doing that. Uh, therefore, not being comfortable using the technology was the reason that hybrid and remote didn't work. So again, helping people, you know, helping an introvert or somebody who's shy or somebody that's not necessarily good with talent. And, and again, part of this executive employee disconnect that I talked about, and there's so much going, there's, there's so many surveys and, and papers written about it, is that a lot of executives aren't very good with technology. You know, they've had an assistant be able to do it. And part of it is like, because I'm not good at it, nobody else should be good at it. And we're going to bring everybody back. Uh, and, you know, so it's a lot of challenges. And the other thing I think everybody needs to be aware of, although the focus is on this hybrid remote work, and certainly we're looking at anywhere between 30 and 40% of the workforce uh, being hybrid or remote uh, by 2025, based on Gardner, uh, a lot of Gardner and Forrester uh, research. The challenge is, is that six, you know, 60 to 70% of jobs can't be remote. Not yet. I mean, we're getting there. But it's still tough to do a lot of healthcare. Uh, some surgeries can be done remote, but personal care is still tough to get my hair cut remote. Um, <laughs> there's there's a lot of things we still can't do remotely, uh, and you know that this conversation is going to continue, and little by little it's going to evolve. But the people who have had a, a taste of of not having to commute for an hour or an hour and a half every day, not having to travel to events. Travel's definitely a lot tougher. Uh, you know, just this morning I was watching the news and uh, there was a segment on travel in the fall where a lot of families are now taking vacations in the fall and they're pulling their kids out of school, which I'm not sure I'll agree with that based on the numbers we just got back about math and reading scores. Um, but but the, the vacations were cheaper, but people, they showed people working remotely because they, they're, they're not taking off work. They're, they're on a vacation, but they're still working, uh, which brings up, uh, we're almost at, at the end of our, uh, at the bottom of the hour. So we're gonna take a quick break here, but when we come back, uh, there's two questions I wanna ask. You know, one is get your, your feelings on a, new, a survey that came out from Slack that talked about that the difference between flexibility of where you work versus when you work. And the other thing is, what are some of the biggest mistakes that you've seen leaders make and what your solution would be to help them overcome that? And I think, and that's in the book. You can buy the book and find out, but you can get it firsthand, you know, right here. So we're going to take a quick break. We've been talking about creating a great culture in a remote world with uh, my three co-authors, uh, Jenny Marshall, James Thorne, Vanessa Hunter. Uh, and you're listening to Geek Skeezers and, or watching Geek Skeezers and Googleization, or some of you may be listening uh, on the podcast. And we re really appreciate you being here, being part of Googleization Nation. Stay tuned. We will be right back. We're going to have a quick break. For most of us, change is freaking terrifying. And unfortunately, there's no app to adapt. That might change in the not so distant future. But for now, we're on our own. That means we can either accept our default future or reimagine our tomorrow. For those of you who choose default, good luck. Just remember, there's no pause button for change. You can't turn back the clock, and there's no get out of jail free card in this age of perpetual uncertainty. Like it or not, change will happen all around us, 
And that change is not becoming just more disruptive and frequent, but volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous, or VUCA. Fortunately, you can make change work for you and turn it into your personal and competitive advantage. Reimagine your future to one in which you're living with purpose, you're happy, and you're growing, thriving, and flourishing. If you're ready to rewrite your next life chapter and regain control of your destiny in this never normal world, your journey starts here. Contact the leader in adaptability and making change work for you, your team, and your organization. Ira S. Wolf, adaptability.expert. There's a certain kind of coach who believes what we believe, who leads people to greatness, who gets people unstuck, who unlocks all of your passion. A coach who helps people discover what drives them to tap into their superpowers. Then knowing your why is the first step to untapped potential, to focus, to breakthroughs. A coach who's looking for a better way. Are you that coach? Hey, welcome back, everybody, to Geek Skeezers and Googleization. We're talking about how to create a great culture in a remote world. Got my co-authors, Jenny Marshall, James Thorne, and Vanessa Hunter. If you're interested in the new book, let me, oh, I got the banner running across the bottom already. Uh, you can get that up on Amazon, or you can reach out to any of us, and I'm sure we'll get you a copy. You want a signed copy, right? We, when we left off, we were talking about a couple of things. I mentioned a, a new Slack survey that just came out and they mentioned a, a distinction. Be, be, and again, this is a lot of the confusions that's out there when people talk about flexibility. They talks about uh, that 80% of employees said that they wanted flexibility on where they worked, but 94% said they wanted flexibility of when they worked. And that's a pretty big distinction because a lot of people, a lot of executives are making this, are, are, there's a lot of discussion, I won't say executives, but there's a lot of discussions about going to this four-day work week or a three-two work week. The problem is, is that doesn't give people really what they want if they want flexibility when they work, because maybe Tuesdays and Thursdays or maybe Fridays isn't a convenient day because they don't have childcare or maybe that's the worst day for a commute, or there's some other activities that are going on, uh, or maybe it's not a consensus across all their team. So you go to work and half your team is on remote because they have something else going on. And we've all been there when that's happened, we show up in a place and somebody's remote. I know that happens, I, I'm teaching a master's class and that happens all the time uh, that that we're supposed to be, we, we meet in person three times out of the five and I've never had a class that all students were there in person because there's something that's always happened. Somebody got held up at work, somebody's kid's sick, um, somebody's out of town, somebody's traveling. So there's all these activities going on. Um, so with that, is, that's one of the steps that we need to figure out. Jacob Morgan, who's a good friend of ours and he's been on the show, uh, wrote a column a couple of weeks ago about, we don't really understand what hybrid work means. Where, what do you see evolving? I mean, if we're if we have this conversation next year or two years or three years from now, uh, where do each of you see 
what are we going to be talking about? About is this going to be a thing of the past? Uh, is everybody going to get it, or we're we still going to be regurgitating the kind of the, the same stuff over and over again? Vanessa, let's let's start with you. That's that's a great question. Are we still going to be regurgitating? That's a great question. I think it really depends on on um, how things do evolve now that so many people are working remotely. I think that we're going to see that we'll have some success statistics to point to, and, and we probably already have some, uh, to point to the success of being a little more flexible. I think we have to understand that what work looks like is different now. And what the expectation is for each of our employees and each of our teammates, it, it has to be set very, very clearly Otherwise, this whole I want to work when I want to work kind of thing goes, it doesn't work for a team if you are not all on the same page of what that looks like. And I'm a firm believer there has to be some communal time when you're all present, whether you're working all working remotely or not, um, you need to be present in that you're all uh, accessible and and on a Zoom or on a on a conference or something like that. Um, but again, I think it comes to setting the expectation for people and uh, and knowing that it, also letting them know what you envision as a flexible work environment. Defining that because I think that's different for people. James. No, yeah, that's that's really interesting. We. Early on, I've, I've really shaped what we do in business around the lifestyle that we wanted to live. And that's been a huge shift for our team. They, you know, when we work and where we work really doesn't matter as long as we meet certain points when we have to be together. Um, but to that point of, you know, that you've got to set those expectations, you know, for us, even early on by doing that, um, you know, like, here's where we're going. Here's where we need to be. Here's the walls and the guidelines that we really need to kind of set up. But at the end of the day, you still have freedom to do X, Y, and Z or these number of things. Um, I'm probably a lot more lenient and more freedom given than most leaders that I meet with. Um, but I've also seen the fruit on that side of seeing the ones that can really do it well. Um, it's finding the right people. It's fine that you can't, not everyone can do that. Um, so yeah, I, I think you know, you, you said it right, Vanessa. I just don't know. Um, we're still working through that ourselves, right? It's still it's a constant evolution. And like, even in the coming years, when we talk about the future um, and people leaving their jobs because they want a place that is remote. Um, and that was like the big talk, right? The great resignation. Um, and now I'm hearing it's the great regret because they are not happy. It's not greener on the other side, right? They're getting into these spaces and they're, they're not fulfilled. Um, so to me, it still just goes back to every individual person is unique and they're designed for something um, great, but they're all completely different. Um, and I think we touched on a lot of that today, too, just on how we can communicate together. But um, that's still it's ever changing. I think it's constantly moving for us trying to figure out how to make that work and then really knowing the people that we work with um, as a key point. Uh, so I don't see it going away and I see us continuing to have a debate. I mean, if we think about the fact that we're already a couple years behind because everybody, I think, went into the pandemic thinking, oh, well, once this is all over, we're all going to be going back to the office. And so there probably wasn't a whole lot of focus around how do you effectively 
you know, manage remote teams and create great cultures with remote teams long term yep. because right, it wasn't ahead. an yep. expectation yep. that we needed to think about it long term. So with that, we're already a couple of years behind um, in terms of having this having this discussion. So, um, again, I'm in a, a bit of a unique in, environment in that my I have people across all the um, time zones in the U.S. I have people across Europe and I have people across Asia. So. I have phone calls at six in the morning with people from Asia or nine o'clock at night, right? Depending on who's going to be on the phone at night. Um, same thing with, with Europe. And then I may be on the phone at seven o'clock at night with people who are on the West Coast. Um, and so for me, flexible means that I'm not going to be available all 14 of those hours. I'm going to have chunks of the time throughout the day where I am focused on catching up with people and doing my work, but then I do block off time throughout the day so that I can go work out. I can have lunch without being on my computer at the same time. I can go pick my son up from school and I can have mom and son time, like quality time in the car when, when I'm driving back and I'm not on a phone call and distracted. And I communicate that to my team that this is how I run my day. And I want you to feel like you can do the same. And so if there are times of the day that are not conducive to the quality of life that you want to have for you and your family. I support that. And I'm going to do that through exemplifying how, how I do it. And then secondarily, it's then when you are connected with them, that you're focused and you're in the moment. And James, I really like the comment you said in terms of being intentional about when you make those moments happen. So what that means is that when I am engaging with people, I am actively listening. I'm actively engaged. I'm asking them how they're doing. How is their mental and emotional well-being? In addition to um, how are you progressing with what you're focused on from a work standpoint? What's working? What's not? How can I help you? How can I remove some challenges? Um, and then what direction I can point them in? But again, it's being very focused and intentional when I do have the opportunity to engage with people, not just my team, but others outside of my team that I know are critical in, in the long-term success of what we're trying to achieve. So not going to change, not going away. Um, you know, the, the, the whole thought around what flexible means is very much up to the individual in terms of what's conducive. And, and you have to lead by example and make sure that you're communicating how you are managing and how you're scheduling your day to create those moments for you personally that you need to have for your own well-being. I mean, it sounds like, and again, this is this is always my pet peeve, that people blame it on hybrid work or remote work, and yet it's about communication. And communication was never that great, even when managers were in the office with people. They didn't talk to them. They didn't know who they were. It was like, that's none of my business. I don't know want to know about their kids, their activities, what they like, what they don't like. Uh, and that shows up every year in the polls of disengagement from Gallup. You know, that the fact is, is, that, is that there's still seven out of 10 workers who are disengaged. And it's like, oh, it's so much worse because of COVID. Uh, or it's so much worse because of remote or hybrid work. And no, it wasn't very good before. So the bar is pretty low and it doesn't take much. But as, as we're even talking about here, each of you shared that. Uh, is having a conversation, lear learning about people. Uh, you know, we'll put a little plug in for, for our why. Uh, and the Y Institute uh, that you heard about during the break is, is that, you know, here's a five, you know, it takes five minutes and you find out every, what everybody's purpose is, what their why is, you know, is it about they want to contribute or they want to make things better or they want to make, make sense or they want to clarify 
or they want to become an expert, uh, a mastery of something. So there's there's really easy ways to have that conversation to go, oh, I didn't know about that, that about you, or how can we shape this role? How can we allow that to happen? What And, and it, so it, it's, it's not that flexibility is the solution, but it's a tool to help people find a meaningful life and to, to, to feel that they're living that best place. There is so much more we have to cover, but as I, as I warned you in the beginning, this will go really, really fast, uh, and it does. Um, I want to ask, kind of go around the, the, the circle again, what's one question you wished we asked you individually, but didn't? So, Jenny, we'll give it to you. We'll start with you. So this is this is a, a bit self-serving because it's kind of the topic in, in the book um, in terms of, you know, my theme around the uh, creating great culture in a remote world is all around um, great, great team culture starts with the um, individual development. Right. So how do you think about, you know, creating individual development plans, which sometimes can have a negative connotation, but but they can be very, very positive tool. Um, and then helping somebody understand how do they fit into the picture of the team? How do they fit into the picture of the company and the mission and what the team as a whole is trying to accomplish? Um, so, so one item is how do you effectively kind of co-create um, expectations and what accountability looks like so that we can effectively um, go accomplish those things together um so so that that's one one question to ask and, and it's and it's part of my my chapter but it's from jason um and you just described the four principles of connection people need to be connected to themselves to others to the role and to the organization how can they do that so uh, we're, we're, we're definitely yeah. on board with yeah. you james yeah i'm just going to say uh, i'll tag on to that because i'm so passionate about it you know at the end of our life we're not going to be talking about anything we're working on right now we're going to be talking about the relationships that were built and i believe we're all designed for relationships so if you're not being intentional about that in your business or at least helping the ones that are below you understand how to build that for their own self their families the relationships they do have and i love to tell people we're not a family we're a team you have your own family go spend time with them build those relationships make that a priority um, and then there's more fruit to be want to be a part of what we're doing and give back and, and engage um, but to me, it's just all about the relationship. And that to me is why I love what I do, because I get to meet with so many great people and build other relationships. Because um, they're, you know, the project we just worked on this week, no one's going to know about it a year from now. No one's going to even care. Uh, but they'll care about the people that, that, we're, that we're building it. Vanessa. Uh, how can you do all of this and keep it fun? Make it fun. Add an element of fun to everything that we're doing. Because, uh, it, to, to piggyback on what James was saying, it's all about those relationships, right? It's all about uh, people enjoying life. And Jenny, I, I love what you said about what you shared about uh, setting up the boundaries for your day and, and the fact that you respect that people can do that as well, people on your team. And I think that it it requires people having that level of understanding, bringing the fun, bringing, realizing that the work will get done. The work is more likely to get done if people are having fun and feeling valued and really feeling like they're contributing to the overall mission of the company. And I, and again, so appreciative of, of all, you being here. 
uh, and sharing this. And there's so much more to cover. Um, but I'm also so happy that you talked about that personal relationship because I'm going to turn this back to Jason and we're going to go in or into our lightning round where we find out a little bit, something a little bit about each of you that's a little bit personal and not, not so revealing, but <laughs> just who you are as a person beyond co-authors of this book. That's right. In the spirit of connection, we're going to hop into this lightning round here. We're going to do two questions for each of you. It'll be the same question. And so, uh, Jenny, let's start with you. And then we'll go back through James and then Vanessa. And then Vanessa will start with you on question number two. So here's the first question. If you could choose any superpower, what would you oh. choose, Jenny? Uh, the ability to fly. I love to travel. So if I could just fly someplace, you know, my, myself with, with my family and, you know, my suitcase, then I, I would love to do that. Especially with all the traffic in Nashville. <laughs> with as difficult as it is to travel these days, absolutely. That's right. And James, how about you? What superpower would you choose? Oh, man. The first thing that came to mind, I know this is kind of funny, like I, I believe in God and like omnipresent, you know, like all, everywhere. And uh, I'm like, man, if I could just do that and just be available for that person and be fully there for everyone at all times, I think that'd be incredible. Um, but uh, obviously I am not that and I need to rely on him for those type of connections. <laughs> I like that. But who knows? Maybe maybe cloning at some point one day with something There we go. He went there. <laughs> All right, Vanessa, how about you? What superpower are you choosing? Honestly, the first thing that popped into my head was the ability to heal people. Ooh. That's the first time we've had yeah, that that's one. That's a good one. That's really good. That's awesome. Okay, and here's question number two. Vanessa, we'll start with you this time. Favorite musician or song that you have? Or maybe a favorite concert? Uh, <laughs> uh, favorite musician? I'm going to go old school. I'm going with Paul McCartney. Nice. You can't go wrong there. James, how about you? I I love classic rock, so you can you can fit in almost anyone there. Uh, it's hard for me to honestly pick one. I just listen to, but um, that's probably where I would say any. You could probably name any of them. And Jenny, how about you? Yeah, uh, Fleetwood Mac um, brings a lot of great great memories from growing up and riding in the car with my my dad. And then my favorite song is "Float On" by Modest Mouse because it's all about hey, you're having a really bad day, but Let's just you can you can move on um, and make make the best out of it. So that that would be my answer. We love it. Thank you all so much for joining us today. Um, Googleization Nation um, is no doubt learned a great deal um, from all of you today. And uh, if you're just now tuning in, if you're watching, the name of the book is Create Great Culture in a Remote World. Ira, Vanessa, James, and Jenny all have chapters in the book. They're co-authors, and you got to hear some of the amazing strategies tactics and tips from them today, but go out and buy the book today um, as well. I believe it's already an Amazon uh, bestseller getting up there on the on the list. So go out and check it out today. But we thank you all so much for joining us and we'll have to keep the conversation going and would love to have you on again in the future to talk about this topic. Absolutely. Thank you so much, you so much for the opportunity. Thanks so much. That was a blast, Ira. That was fun. That was fun. You know, and, and, and the one thing when we, it's so appropriate talking about remote and hybrid work. We never met one another, be, and yet we wrote this book together. And yet when you hear about the themes, it seems that we planned this for, for months and, and, and maybe a year or two 
of what are we going to write about and what what yet it just came together seamlessly and we did it all independently uh and you know so things things can happen and i guess that's the takeaway i mean that that i hope people got out of it uh that creating a great culture in a remote world is absolutely possible don't believe all the headlines it's going to take some work it's going to take a re we need to reimagine work uh i i it was either jenny or vanessa that said we need to think about work differently um that was a chapter in the recruiting in the age of googleization book it rework work we, we need to think about that Absolutely. And uh, I mean, it was a testament, you know, like you said, with the panel today that you haven't been in person before, yet you all pulled together this amazing uh, book on this topic of creating great culture in a, in a remote world. And it got me to thinking also, you and I, before I came on as co-host of, of the show with you, we had only met each other virtually. Um, we hadn't met in person yet. That happened after um, came on on the show and became co-host. And I just think back to many of the relationships that have developed over the last three plus years um, in my life that are some of the richest outside of my immediate family have been folks that I haven't met in person yet, that it has been 100% virtual. So it absolutely has to do with the quality of the connection, the intentionality, the manner in which we're connecting with people. And it doesn't necessarily have to be in the same room. Three quick takeaways for me, because I know we're up against it on time, Ira. Jenny's three ingredients I thought were brilliant in terms of how we create great culture in a remote work world. She said, we got to work on the communication. We got to work on how people learn best and we've got to empower people. And then James, I thought this was a brilliant quote from James. He said, they focus on shaping work around the way that they want to live and not the other way around. And I think that is beautiful advice for everyone. Um, whether it doesn't matter where you're at in the organization, whether you're the owner, the executive, or whether you're frontline employee, that's what people are now asking themselves is they're starting with the life you want to have first. And then where does work fit in around that? And then Vanessa talking about the importance of, hey, all of these things, these tips, tactics, and strategies we're talking about at the end of the day, they got to be fun. If we aren't having fun, if these things aren't engaging, if they're not helping us make progress, if it's not uh, you know, bringing those positive emotions in us, then the chances of it being something sustainable over time greatly diminishes. But those were some of the big takeaways for me today. But I'm going to go ahead and sign off. Um, thank you, Googleization Nation, for tuning in with us today. Uh, please remember that uh, if you haven't liked and subscribed to the podcast, we'd love for you to do so. We're in the top 1% now in the world, and we're hoping to, to crack that top half percent with your help um, as we close out this year. But until next time, I'm Jason Cochran signing off. And I'm Robert Wolf. Special thanks to everybody for listening to this episode. Uh, thank you to Y Institute for being our partner and sponsor of Geek Skeezers and Googleization. And thank you for being part of Googleization Nation. If you haven't subscribed yet, please do. It's free and you'll get updates about a lot of upcoming new events and benefits that you get from belonging to Googleization Nation. So until next week, don't let the shift hit your plans.